Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. So we're going to start with an official survey. Who among you loves to be prepared? Show me by a raise of hands. Okay. What about over-prepared? Okay. I'm not surprised by people who raise their hands. Um, So I love to be prepared, um, over-prepared, actually. And I think maybe Scar in The Lion King saying the lyrics be prepared one too many times in front of me. I just kind of sunk in. I'm like, going to be prepared. But preparedness is harder to achieve now that I have two adventure-seeking little kids. But preparedness is the dream for sure. It'll be real again one day uh, when I don't have to call poison control due to X-Lax drama. Super fun. Or try to keep a two-year-old from climbing inside every appliance in the house. So one day... I'll be able to reach my old level of preparedness. But back in the day when I was planning my wedding, um, I had an incredible spreadsheet. Um, You'd probably think I was nuts if you saw it. Um, And it had information about budget, invites, addresses, vendors, just details for everything, a schedule for the days leading up to the wedding and the day of for all of the bridesmaids and groomsmen. And um, I'm sure that they were quite annoyed by the whole thing. Um, So the wedding was in late November. And when I told my mom it was going to be an outdoor wedding, my mom lives in Illinois, which is where I grew up. And uh, she was like, why would you do that, Grace? Are you crazy? That's not how she talks, but bear with me. And I was like, Mom, I live in Colorado, not south of Chicago anymore. And obviously, I'll have blankets, hot chocolate, and a backup plan for indoor wedding. So I was ready for anything. And then both times I was pregnant, um, I I made more incredible spreadsheets of information, like things baby needed, chores that needed to be done, foods to stock up on, projects to do. Jason was annoyed. Um, But I was ready to go. So for example, I took down every single frame in the house and took out all the glass and then I washed them with soap and water and put them back up. And I took, and while they were down, I patched all the holes on the wall from where I had messed up or changed my mind and painted over it. Um, And uh, I did a lot of other crazy things too, but you get the idea. Uh, Like I stocked up on spices and, uh, Those are really important things. We washed the carpet and the windows and dusted the ceiling corners. I guess I thought I wouldn't be able to clean after the baby came, and I was kind of right. But (laughs) Um, so we were totally prepared, but also totally unprepared to have babies. And I like to buy toilet paper in bulk because when we first got married, Jason would always buy the wrong toilet paper at the store. And so I was like, well, I'll just get the right toilet paper and in a lot, like in bulk, so 96 rolls of toilet paper. 
at once. And uh, on February 24th of 2020, um, I received a shipment of 96 rolls of toilet paper. And uh, so that was really great timing because just like a week and a half later, there was no toilet paper. And so I was extremely prepared to use the bathroom during lockdown. And so maybe you're not a total nutcase like me when it comes to preparing for things, but we all have times when we need to be prepared for something, like going to school, taking a driver's test, making a meal, like a holiday meal for a family event, um, a health appointment where you have to strongly advocate for yourself or someone you love, buying a house, a work presentation, a job interview, a camping trip, Maybe you're lactose intolerant and you love to randomly have cheese, so you got those lactase pills with you. There are certain things that we do that require preparation and intentionality, even if being extremely prepared for all the things is not how you typically function. But for some things, you just need to be ready. Today, our scripture is a parable that explores the idea of preparation and being ready, specifically being prepared and ready for the return of Christ. I will read the scripture to you, and you can follow along on, your, on the screens or in your own phones or printed Bibles, and it's okay to just listen also. And while I read, listen carefully and notice any questions that pop up for you, because this is a, kind of a strange story. Um, and also, I just realized I didn't tell Daniel which version of the Bible I was using, so it might not be quite the same. So... Um, our scripture today is from Matthew 25, uh, verses 1 through 13, and the Bible version I used was the Common English Bible. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten young bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Now five of them were wise, and the other five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't bring oil for them. But the wise ones took their lamps and also brought containers of oil. When the groom was late in coming, they all became drowsy and went to sleep. But at midnight, there was a cry, look, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps have gone out. But the bridesmaids, the wise bridesmaids replied, no, because if we share with you, there won't be enough for our lamps and for yours. We have a better idea. You go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the groom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding. Then the door was shut. Later, the bridesmaids came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep alert, because you don't know the day or the hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. So when we read the scripture, we find ourselves having different reactions to it. We might be reading an exciting telling of the miraculous work of God, or maybe a poem or song that connects to what you're dealing with and how you might relate to God in that time. You might laugh or cry. You might decide you've just read the weirdest part of the Bible. Um, many times we find our say, ourselves saying, like, what did I just read? Um, and that was kind of my reaction to this scripture as I was like, 
Okay, this is the passage I'm going to be preaching on. I always end up with like some really like strange different passages that aren't always preached on. I don't know how that happens, but maybe I should check next time before Daniel asks me. Um, but this was my reaction to the scripture. It was like, what did I just read? Um, my brain was filled with questions, comments, and concerns after reading through it a time or two. And maybe the same thing happened for you. Exploring the scriptures with curiosity is a good approach. In fact, when we do that, um, especially when reading a part of the Bible we've heard several times, um, that can help us notice new things about that scripture that we maybe haven't noticed before. Um, and if it's a particularly strange passage, uh, curiosity can help us get more into it without being like uh, dismissing it for the passage making us feel uncomfortable or feeling like it's too difficult to learn from. Um, so let's work through this parable together and we can keep the questions in mind that we had while hearing the scripture and see if we find a bit more understanding or discover how this story might relate to us. <clears throat> so the parable is set at a wedding. Today, weddings are very big celebrations, typically, very emotional, and there's a lot invested in them, not just financially, but also with like all the details and organizing of the day. Um, and back in those times, weddings were the same. It was a big celebration, there was lots of emotion, and there was a lot invested in it. The ancient Jewish custom was that the guests, the bride and the bridesmaids, waited at the home of the bride being entertained by her parents while they waited for the groom to arrive. And when the bridegroom approached the house, everyone went out with their lamps to greet him. Next, there would be a procession where the entire party walked to the groom's house where his parents were waiting. They'd have a ceremony and then a banquet that would last for several days. The groom and his groomsmen would arrive at the home of the bride's parents and take the bride and her bridesmaids back to his parents' home to start the wedding celebration, which sounds like a very fun way to celebrate a wedding. One of the things that I loved about my wedding was that it was just a big party filled mostly with people that I loved. And uh, before the wedding, we had lots of family come over to Jason's house and we made, um, we tempted to make dinner for everybody. Um, and my uncle, who is a vegetable farmer in Michigan, um, who loves to talk about farming, was like showing everyone pictures of cauliflower. And me and my bridesmaids were getting our nails done and we got to spend time together uh, with family that lived pretty far away from me while I live in Colorado. And that was really nice. Um, but aside from that gathering, it was just a quick reception with all of our guests. We didn't get to really like spend a whole lot of quality time with each person. Um, so this ongoing party sounds like a really fun way to spend times with the folks that you know and get to know the people who are important to uh, your spouse or future spouse. Um, so while they were all super excited, hanging out together, uh, with the bride and being entertained by her parents while waiting for the groom. And I kind of picture like entertained by the parents as being like, I don't know, charcuterie and charades, which is probably not what the custom was, but that was like my immediate thought, like we're being entertained and it's charades. But let's just assume that did not happen. Um, 
While they were gathered, the wait for the bridegroom must have felt exciting and also difficult because the big celebration was ahead and they knew that that would be really fun and very special. So I think knowing the wedding customs from the time period helps us to have a little bit better understanding of what's going on. The bridesmaids are part of the wedding party who are eagerly awaiting the bridegroom and their job is to go out with their lamp and greet him as he arrives. So that's why they're waiting and why they have the lamps. And it shows the importance of what their job is to go out and welcome the groom. So the 10 bridesmaids had their lamps of oil, but only five brought extra. So we don't know why some brought extra and why some didn't. Um, and this may not have been a problem if the groom had been on time. Maybe they all would have had enough oil. Um, but he took so long that they all fell asleep waiting for him. On the one hand, this can't be a good sign for a party. But on the other hand, a party that includes a nap sounds pretty nice. So across space and time and cultures, it seems universal that waiting is hard. And that makes total sense because we get excited about what's coming. And that makes it hard to wait. And I don't like to call that impatience, but it kind of is. But it's just because we get so excited that it's hard to just sit still. We love fast things, fast internet, easy and quick recipes, quick promotions, fast communication, quick delivery. We complain and we get disappointed and we get doubtful when these things happen at a different pace than what we expect. Like when traffic slows down, we might grunt with frustration or if the internet goes out, it's the end of the world. Uh, text message not responded to within a minute, we might be suspicious that our friend has been abducted or maybe suddenly doesn't like us anymore. If the baby is past due, every minute feels like eternity. Uh, not finding the perfect fit job and feeling like maybe it will never happen. Delays are difficult, even when you're trying to be patient and understanding because the excitement and hope is real. Waiting for the good is always a challenge, especially when the waiting period includes challenges like sadness, pain, suffering, violence, needs not being met. The list could go on and on. So after quite a long wait, the bridegroom was coming and the bridesmaids got up to prep their lamps. But after such a long wait, their lamps burned out and only five of them had extra oil to keep the light going. So when the foolish bridesmaids asked to use some of the bridesmaids, the wise bridesmaids, extra oil, the wise ones refused because they didn't think that there was enough to share. They gave them advice to go to town to buy some oil when it was like midnight. <laughs> so I'm going to take a wild guess and say that there were not 24-hour convenience stores that carried lamp oil. And because the five left to go find this oil, they missed out on the arrival of the bridegroom and missed the wedding. And to be honest, this situation really bothers me. Maybe it bothered you when we first read it and you had questions or concerns about it. So the wise ones don't seem like they're dishing out very wise advice about midnight shopping and their unwillingness to share uh, seems selfish. Uh, they certainly were wise to bring extra oil so that they could be ready if the bridegroom arrives late. 
but their oil would have eventually run out too, depending on how late the bridegroom was. Their unwillingness to invite the five foolish bridesmaids into their light uh, seems mean. But in spite of this foolishness, they were there to welcome the bridegroom. The foolish bridesmaids uh, had poorly planned for this without bringing the extra oil. That's true. But I don't know if the poor planning is what made them foolish. It seemed like they were just trying to fix their mistakes by going out to get more oil. But having oil in their lamp was not their purpose. Their purpose was to simply welcome the bridegroom and celebrate with joy. Perhaps their foolishness is not that they didn't bring extra oil, but their foolishness is that they left and didn't wait in the dark or didn't wait in the light of the other lamps. And so I ask myself, what if they had stayed? What if they had waited in the dark for the bridegroom? And I think we find ourselves in the dark occasionally too, or a lot. And we feel a bit foolish, maybe unprepared or out of sorts. In the dark, we feel vulnerable, nervous, and insecure. The darkness in our story is quite literal, but darkness can also be our suffering, uncertainty, trauma, and sadness and weight of the terrible things in the world that we don't have control over. <clears throat> so what if the bridesmaids had stayed and waited in the darkness? What if we continued to wait and hope for the return of Jesus in the midst of our darkness? Perhaps the darkness is a place of transformation where we admit that we don't have it all together, we're sometimes unprepared, but we are still choosing to wait with hope despite the difficulties that surround us. No matter how dark it seems, or if our lamp burns out, I lost my spot, or if the lamp burns out, we can sit there in hope that the light of the bridegroom, the light of Jesus will be enough. So in Revelation 21, 23 through 20, 20 chapter 21, 23 through 25, it says something that I find very relevant to our parable, and it's talking about the new creation. It says, the city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it because God's glory is its light and its lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Even if you are empty-handed, unprepared, and suffering, God loves you. God loves you just as you are. When the bridegroom comes, we meet him, offering our presence and expectant heart. It doesn't matter if our oil lamps are empty or full. The light of the bridegroom will light up the darkness and be a cause for celebration. The wedding would have been full of light for the bridesmaids. The new creation will be full of light for us. The foolish bridesmaids left and the wise bridesmaids stayed. Eventually, if the bridegroom had been late enough, everyone's oil would have been out. But the wisdom is in the waiting and readiness to welcome the bridegroom. Waiting for the bridegroom to show up 
is hard. Waiting for the return of Christ is hard. Just waiting on God in general is hard. And Kids Church, we've been going through the journey from the creation and uh, Abraham being promised a special land with many descendants and that they would be a light to everyone. And then we've been following through that whole storyline up until their arrival at the promised land, which is what they're going through today. And um, so for the Israelites, this was a very, very long wait. Um, And in their waiting, there was suffering and war and oppression and lots of drama and a lot of doubt and regret. They often said, I wish we were still slaves in Egypt, which is kind of crazy to think about them feeling. Um, but they, had, they, went, they were desperate in their wait. But they finally made it there. God's promise was fulfilled. And as Advent approaches, I am reminded of the generations and the generations and the generations of people who waited for the coming of the Messiah. During Advent, we remember this wait. And then during Christmastide, we celebrate uh, that the Messiah came. God's promise was fulfilled. Now, in a British show from the 90s uh, called The Vicar of Dibley, Alice, who is a goofball parishioner um, and not the smartest, uh, asks her vicar, which is like the pastor, uh, Geraldine, when Jesus would be coming back. Because in Geraldine's latest newsletter, Uh, she wrote about how Jesus is coming. And Alice says, but you didn't list any dates. (laughs) And and now Alice's mom wants to know when to get the house tidy for Jesus. (laughs) And so Geraldine attempts to explain that it'll be a surprise. And then Alex exclaims, what if I'm on the toilet or something? That's a bit rude. And Geraldine assures her that it won't be rude, it will be lovely. And Alice is a weirdo. But I like her enthusiasm uh, to be prepared, even though it's not actually like in the right way. But she is waiting and she is curious and she is trying her best to be prepared in the ways she understands how to. And so at the end of this parable, the bridegroom says to, to keep alert as you don't know the day or hour when he will come. To keep alert, can also be like translated as to stay awake or be vigilant. And obviously like stay awake is not literal because like everybody fell asleep, but, um, or to be vigilant. It is urging us to be watchful, attentive, and to remain focused. So maybe we can sometimes be under um, the impression that we have an endless amount of time to do important things, like learning something new, fixing a bad habit, doing justice work, spending time with someone you love, or asking them questions about their history and childhood, or even offering forgiveness to others. It's a big temptation to put stuff off. We think, oh, it'll be okay to do tomorrow. And now it's totally true that some things are not important enough and they can be put off until tomorrow, like a UPS errand or a haircut. But when it comes to our faithfulness to God, that is our biggest priority. Our vigilance, our alertness, and attentiveness to Christ is so important. And we are called to join the work of God in the world. 
This is the task that we are entrusted with. We are called to feed people who are hungry, care for the sick, clothe the naked, free the oppressed, make peace, and show up in the world always ready and prepared to show God's love in all we say and do. We must be wise and stay alert and be prepared for Christ. The parable of the ten virgins reminds us to wait on Christ with readiness and with faithfulness. Living with hope doesn't mean that we are unaffected by the hard stuff in the world, but that we continue to trust and hope in God even in the midst of that hard stuff. We might be in the darkness, but the darkness is also a holy place where God meets us and brings his light to us. We don't need to run away from that. Early Christians realized that Christ was not returning as quickly as they had hoped, which was really hard. But they knew they needed to wait expectantly and faithfully. And this is also our mission. We need to uh, be at work in the kingdom of God that is breaking into the darkness and bringing light. To be at work with this mission as we await the arrival of Christ.